I'm Joyce Timmerman with Silverwood Dairy Farms in Waller, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the House Agriculture Committee held a Farm Bill listening session in Waco this week. We were there, and we'll have more about it coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The city of Amarillo continues its efforts to bring more food companies to the city, with the latest venture involving hydroponic farming. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The deadline for Texas farmers to enroll their 2022 cotton crop into the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol is quickly approaching. That date is March 31st. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan in Marshall, and around here, Weather is the big topic of discussion on every list, and in particular, the damage that is done to the timber industry. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The House Agriculture Committee held a Farm Bill listening session in Waco on Wednesday, with members of the committee hearing from farmers and ag groups from across the state. Pennsylvania Congressman G.T. Thompson chairs the Ag Committee. We need the, the voices of Texas agriculture at the table when it comes to shaping this 2023 Farm Bill. And it's a big state with lots of agriculture and diverse agriculture. When you look at temperature, when you look at commodities and, you know, from forestry to cattle to dairy crops. And this was really good. What we've heard so far has been outstanding in terms of people telling us what they need, what they need in the next Farm Bill. Central Texas Congressman Pete Sessions says he was happy to host the Ag Committee in his district. But having G.T. Thompson, who is the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, bring committee members down here and see firsthand of the current needs of not just the families that are engaged in agriculture business, but also the communities is very, very important. It is not just the young chairman that he is. He has brought the members who've heard firsthand. Today we had a listening session here at the Farm Bureau headquarters in Waco, and it's important to know that we would expect each of our members to have a high expectation of what can be accomplished. Committee members heard from nearly every ag organization in Texas. One of those was the Texas Association of Dairymen, where Darren Turley is the executive director. 
Well, we were very fortunate to get a chance to have such a great representation present to speak to them about dairy issues. Uh, we worry about the, the uh, next farm bill, uh, how that's going to handle the equip money and funding that we use for environmental projects due to the fact we're having a lot of interest in methane digestion and carbon sequestration projects. That I feel like we'll see this next farm bill uh, be uh, a big factor on the equip money that's available and the ability for farmers to uptake this new technology. Tim Lust is CEO of National Sorghum Producers based in Lubbock. He says their top concern is getting the money to strengthen the farm safety net. Well, you know, I think from our organization standpoint, obviously it's about what the safety net looks like, and we know that uh, dollars are pretty well required to, to be able to address some of those needs, but uh, with cost of production and increases that we've seen from inflation, um, you know, that's where our real focus is. Uh, of course, there's tweaks on conservation programs and, and, and market development programs and other things that will need to be addressed during the bill. But when we look at kind of the core issues, you know, it really comes down to, to how do we have resources for some of the Title I updates that we really need. Congress has until September 30th to complete the new farm bill. The city of Amarillo continues its efforts to bring more food companies to the area. James Hunt tells us the latest venture involves hydroponic farming. The Amarillo City Council has approved economic development incentives for a Florida-based company known as Plant Agricultural Systems. Sarah Gall-Werlinick with Plant Agricultural Systems says the vision for Amarillo is to build greenhouses to grow produce hydroponically. That's hydroponically as in plants grown indoors without soil using water-based nutrient solutions. It's a system that Werlinick says insulates production from the consequences of drought. That's something that's a really important factor in the controlled environment agriculture is that if you look at where we grow our produce here in this country, if you look at Salinas Valley, California, you're mentioning this area itself, there are severe droughts being suffered and we use 70 to 90 percent less water when we're talking a vine crop such as tomatoes or a leafy green like lettuce. So our operation actually uses significantly less water resources in order to produce and we're able to produce more, we're able to produce all year round and at the same time, we're not draining those resources that are so scarce. Speaking of resources, Werlinick says our region's strong winds would actually be a plus. We approach our energy from a sustainable standpoint. Our goal is to eventually be 100% sustainable, but we do our best leveraging wind and solar, um, depending on the resources that are available in the areas in which we set up. So the wind here will actually be very beneficial in terms to um, how it will support our power and energy needs. Werlinick says if plant agricultural systems does come to Amarillo, the timeline from beginning of construction to the start of operations would be about 14 to 18 months. But before the arrangement with the city can be considered a done deal, a couple of other governmental entities also need to sign off on tax abatements for the project. We'll keep you posted. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The deadline is approaching for Texas cotton farmers to enroll their 2022 crop in the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. Tom Nicoletti has more. The U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol is reminding Texas growers to enroll and complete data entry for their 2022 crop as the March 31st deadline is quickly approaching. My guest from Memphis is Tillman White. He is Program Operations Manager for the U.S. Cotton Trust 
protocol. Tillman, uh, this program was launched in 2020, uh, and it uh, was designed to set a new standard uh, for more sustainability in growing cotton. Now, what else can you tell us about the trust protocol? I think the important message for the trust protocol is ensuring marketability of, of U.S. growers. The terms, and you mentioned sustainability and any other terms coming down the pipeline, have really ramped up over the last few years. So I think providing data from our producers in a program like the Trust Protocol can help our producers market their cotton in the marketplace today. One area that the Trust Protocol, I think, really stands out is it connects the entire supply chain within the platform. So not only do we have farmers in our platform, but we also have our end-use customers. So we have our brands and retailers. By making that connection, that can help educate, first of all, our brands and retailers of, of how our producers grow their cotton, but also allow them market access for our producers. How can producers basically enroll? Producers can go to our website, which is trustuscotton.org. From there, they can navigate all of our different segments within the platform, but then they can go to the Join Now tab where they select their role in the industry, which is the producer. And from there, they'll have an account created. And within their own account, they can see the different steps they have within enrollment, what kind of information we would capture regarding their operation. That is Tillman White with the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Weather is the big topic of discussion in East Texas. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. In the East Texas area, we've had record blasts of storms, and the recent ones were not timber-friendly. Particularly around uh, the community centers in most of our counties, it seems like since we have all those nice big pine trees that give us shade and give all that beautiful pleasure, they, they were just right vulnerable to the high winds and the tornado-type weather that we have had, and it's really causing us some problems. So we, we'll look through the summer to get that all cleared up, cleaned out. Fortunately, we did not lose a lot of electricity during those times, but the disruptions and the spring livestock shows did not occur either. Our 4-H and FFA members participating in these events have been well rewarded for their work. Uh, still many to come, and these events are appreciated by all in our areas that participate. Now, the major shows are the big publicities in the state of Texas. Everybody goes to them, gives them great recognition, and that's as it should be. But the smaller shows give all our kids opportunity to have success in their efforts to show livestock and to gain scholarships that will assist them. As far as livestock prices, everything's going good. As far as grass growing, it's good. Springtime just around the corner, and that's exactly what we are looking for here in the east texas area hey we're ready to start cutting and baling when the grass gets there all we got to have is the sunshine to do it that'll wrap us up from east texas this is james Duncan reporting for texas ag today registration is underway for a program designed to help small acreage landowners learn how to evaluate their property's habitat and what options are available for wildlife and habitat management. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And highly pathogenic avian influenza is commonly called the bird flu. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Highly pathogenic avian influenza is commonly called the bird flu. Dr. Bob Judd says it affects almost everyone in some manner. Texas A&M AgriLife indicates this is the virus that is causing disruptions in the poultry industry, triggering a price increase on eggs and other poultry products in the grocery store. Dr. Martin Ficken is the director of the diagnostic lab in Gonzales, and he indicates this viral infection is in the same class as human influenza, and the disease in birds is extremely contagious and extremely deadly, as death usually occurs within 48 hours. The disease is spread around the country by birds that are carriers, and birds can become infected just by being in the same area that an infected bird stood. The virus thrives in cold weather and usually subsides in the summer, but has not done this in the last year. There's no treatment for sick birds as the virus is so deadly, but if you have birds that die of unknown cause, contact the Texas Animal Health Commission. Strict biosecurity is the only prevention for the disease, and people entering your bird facility must change their clothes and shoes while entering and leaving the premises. If you have a backyard flock, it is imperative to prevent your birds from commingling with wild birds as this is the most common source of exposure. At this time, humans are not susceptible to HPAI virus. Birds and eggs destined for human consumption are tested and standard cooking protocols kill the virus. However, the disease has been found in raccoons, skunks, bears, bobcats, foxes, coyotes, harbor seals, and bottlenose dolphins. As of February of this year, there have been 403 positive commercial poultry premises and 342 non-commercial premises infected in 47 states and 58 million birds have died. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Registration is underway for a program designed to help small acreage landowners. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. To help landowners who steward small properties, the Texas Wildlife Association and Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service will host a Small Acreage Big Opportunity Program March 24th in Brown County. Liz Tidwell, Extension Wildlife Program Specialist, joins us with more on the one-day intensive workshop. We're going to be covering a wide variety of topics. We're going to be talking about setting some goals for your land, small acreage land trends across the state of Texas. We're going to be talking about 1D1 wildlife tax evaluations. I know that's a big one that a lot of small acreage landowners are interested in and learning about. We're going to be talking about how to use iNaturalist, which is an app that you can have on your phone or a tablet or iPad that'll help you you know, identify different wildlife species, different plant species, which is a, obviously a very great tool to have some cost share opportunities. You're going to get the chance to meet some local partners. That would be great resources if you have any questions. Topics also include soil health and creating pollinator and wildlife habitat. The overall goal of this program is to try and get that information out there to small acreage landowners, whether it be wildlife management or habitat management, just sort of give them some of those starting tools. 
The program will be held from 8 to 4 p.m. at Muse Wildlife Management Area in May. Cost is $80 and includes lunch. The deadline to register is Wednesday, March 22nd. You can register on the Texas Wildlife Association's website. That is texas-wildlife.org. There, search Small Acreage Big Opportunity. Again, that is texas-wildlife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market finally turned it around on Thursday. After trading lower throughout most of the week, we closed higher on both live and feeder cattle. We'll check out all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market finally caught a break on Thursday and turned things around. We traded lower on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Finally, we hit a bottom on Thursday and headed higher. Both live and feeder cattle futures ending higher on Thursday with April live cattle up 80 cents, 162.35. The June up 30, 156.87. August live cattle up 22, 156.57. Cash fed cattle market still slow for the week. We've seen a few cattle sell here in the south at 164. That's a buck lower compared to last week. Feeder cattle futures also finishing higher with March feeders up a dollar 30, 189.50, April up a dollar 90, 195.15, the May up a dollar 47 at $200.27 a hundred weight. Boxed beef prices higher Thursday, choice up a dollar one at two eighty five twenty eight. Select up ten cents two seventy two seventy three. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer Troy sound off, it's time to go to Nixon talk to Gary Butler from Nixon Livestock. They sell every Monday. Gary, how did this last Monday sell go? Uh, I had a good seller. I uh, had a few more cattle than I thought we'd have. We had 1,006, 138 uh, cows and 25 bulls. Calf market continues to be strong, Larry. Uh, these cattle are just uh, getting higher. Uh, two and three weight steers, $1.89 to $2.60. Heifers, $1.76 to $2.35. Three and four weight steers, $2.05 to $2.80. Heifers, $1.71 to $2.30. Four and five weight steers, $1.98 to $2.55. Heifers, $1.68 to $2.50. Five or six weight steers, $1.91 to 243 heifers $1.66 to, to $3.15 and that's a tiger stripe replacement heifer six and seven weight steers $1.68 to $2.13 and the heifers $1.49 to $2.07 seven and eight weight steers bull yearling $1.50 to $1.85 and the heifers $1.33 to $1.61 uh on the cow deal we got 96 for the best cow 
uh, slaughter bulls on uh, $90 to $1.19. Uh, stocker cows, five fifty to 1000 And we had a few pair, not very many, went back to the country, 900 to seventeen seventy five. Larry. What are you anticipating for this next Monday? I really don't know right offhand, Larry. Uh, I know a couple of people that are going to bring in a few kids, probably 25 a piece, you know, uh, not even big, great big bunches that I know of right right off. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Gary Butler. <clears throat> You can catch us here at Cell Bar 830-582-1561 or 62. And uh, catch me on mobile, 830-857-4330. Well, neighbor, there's your livestock auction report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took quite a tumble on Thursday. April hogs dropping 430 to close at 7945 the May contract down 335 at 8797. Class 3 milk was mixed. Nearby March milk up 4 cents, 1801 100 weight, while April milk was down 2 at 1858 100. The cotton market closed mixed. Factors on both sides of the trade. The export sales report came out Thursday morning. Looked really good, so that helped to keep a floor under prices. However, we still see the nervousness in the financial markets keeping a lid on cotton trade. We close with May cotton up 5 points, 79.16. July down 11, 79.70. New crop December cotton down 32 at 80.63. Corn market got good support this week from Chinese corn purchases. We got that news once again on Thursday. China in the market for the third day in a row. USDA reporting they bought another 25.2 million bushels. That puts the three-day total at 75.6 million bushels. Good news for a market that's been struggling with demand. May corn up six and a quarter, 632 and three quarters. July corn up four, 616 and a quarter, while September corn was up one and a half, 567 and a half. Wheat traders watching to see if Russia will object to an extension of the Black Sea grain deal. So the market was mostly steady to slightly lower. July Kansas City wheat down a penny, 808 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down four at 709 a bushel. In the energy markets, April natural gas up nine cents at 252. April West Texas crude up 59, 6820 a barrel. The financial markets higher Thursday afternoon. The Dow up 376 points at 32,250. The NASDAQ up 283, 11,717. The S&P up 68 at 3,960. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.